What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore eight. It's basketball season in the Southeastern Conference. It, college football is wilding out. It is having a great time. But college basketball is here. SEC Media Days will get underway on Wednesday, October 18th. And you all know what that means on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. That means Blake Lovell from 14 Southeastern will be joining me momentarily to talk all things Southeastern Conference basketball. Very exciting season is upon us here in the Southeastern Conference basketball world. Um, a lot of excitement is building. A lot of, uh, you know, just really nervous excitement from a lot of programs that are excited to kind of build off of what happened in the 2020 two season, 2022-2023 season. Now we're approaching the 23-24 season. So Blake Lovell will be joining me momentarily. Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore eight, Facebook and Instagram at the Mitch Davis Show, the podcast, wherever you like to listen to your podcast by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you... Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com. A very special thank you to Blake Lovell for joining me on the Mitch Davis Show podcast today to talk all things Southeastern Conference basketball. What is up? Welcome on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. It is basketball season in the Southeastern Conference, which doesn't even seem possible. And everybody knows what that means on the Mitch Davis Show. That means Blake Lovell from 14, 14 Southeast, Southeastern 14 joins me now on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Blake, how are you doing? And welcome to basketball. Yep. Always appreciate it, Mitch. Uh, when we have this conversation every year, um, that's when you know the season's almost here and it just kind of sneaks up on you. We say it all the time, but uh, I feel like this year is especially the case. Because um, it's like there's always roster movement in the summer now. And, like they're just moving pieces everywhere. And then you're like, oh, well, games actually start soon. So, uh, yeah, we're almost here, man, a month away. And so always a fun time. I didn't even realize, like I had, I kind of I've interviewed Wes Flanagan on Monday and did not realize that SEC Media Days is less than two weeks away. That, yeah. it kind of hit me. And I think you and I were talking about that off air that it kind of hit us both <laughs> basketball's here so let's talk about it what what have you seen this offseason so far who won the offseason uh this year in the southeastern conference yeah i mean i think it's when you're talking about kind of the era we're in uh transfer portal era it's like i feel like everyone always wins to some extent because um everybody's flipping the roster year in and year out and it's just the way it is now um you know you just got so many pieces that come and go and you know, but specifically, if you look at certain teams, I mean, I think, you know, to me, you look at a team like, and I don't know if it's even just the transfer portal, but right, it's in a, a team like Tennessee who gets as many guys back that they're getting back, you know, that experienced trio of Vescovy and Ziegler and James and those guys coming back, but also bringing in some help with the transfer portal. I mean, I feel like you always have to say Eric Musselman because, like, I mean, he's always going to rank one through three in the transfer portal in some plays probably most times it's probably one or two and i mean this year pretty much a new team devo davis is back they get brazil back from injury but all the other guys that are going to be significant pieces are probably transfer guys um you know and so it's like it's just the usual thing i mean it's just rinse and repeat at arkansas and of course kentucky gets in on the game as always still too they'll bring in some guys like trey mitchell was huge for kentucky 
Um, and so you look at, I think, specifically teams like that. And again, we could go up down the line, um, you know, sneaky additions elsewhere. Ole Miss, I think, is one where I guess it's kind of just a matter of you got multiple two time transfers and the waiver situation and all that. But if you just go by based on who they've landed, you know, Ole Miss has got to rank up there, I think, near the top. Um, and then again, you can just keep going. Missouri, LSU, like there's so many other teams, and transfer portal is what it is now. And there's a lot of good players coming to this league as always, and a lot of good returners. So uh, it it makes for another what I think would be a strong year for the SEC. So let's talk about the depth of this conference. Have obviously Ole Miss. You mentioned Ole Miss. They went out and hired Chris Beard. You know, and that's a home run hire. I mean, either any way you cut it, despite the controversy surrounding that hire. It's a home run hire. Talk about the depth of the Southeastern Conference and as it continues to grow deeper and deeper each and every year. Yeah, I feel like there's so many times over the past probably, I don't know, six or seven years now, when we look at the coaching roster in the SEC and we always say, man, that's the best it's ever been. Uh, but then it's like, well, you get some guys who get fired because let's face it, somebody's going to get fired. Somebody's got to finish one through 14. So, um, you know, that's just the way it works. But then you just keep bringing in the level of coaches that, you bring in, and of course we know, you know, on the court, Chris Beard, all that he's accomplished so far. And if you're Ole Miss, hey, a program that's trying to sort of get up into that upper echelon in the SEC and be, you know, the next, what, Alabama who just completely reversed their fortunes when NATO's came in and now they're winning regular season titles. We saw Auburn do that under Bruce Pearl. They've been pretty consistent uh, in that regard. And, and the, all the other programs who have just kind of taken a big step forward, you know, a&M's not going anywhere under Buzz Williams. They're always going to be right there. And so when you add a Chris Beard to the mix, um, you know, that's that's huge. And then you just compare that to all the other coaches that are in the league, and, you know, you're starting to see. I mean, we look what Dennis Gates did last year at Missouri. He doesn't just come in to be the coach at Missouri and keep them in the mix. He comes in and makes them a legitimate threat right away. And now look at I me mean, next year's recruiting. They got the number one recruiting class in 2024 right now, like Missouri does. And so it's just like, that's just speaking to the overall depth of the league. And I think this year you're going to see, you know, which it's unfortunate with Tolu Smith being injured for, you know, several months, but you know, I think Mississippi state's going to keep moving in the right direction. I think Florida is going to be better this year than they were last year. Um, you know, and you just keep going at that, that level with all these different coaches that are there you're trying to compete with, with Rick Barnes and Musselman and Cal and Pearl and Oates and Buzz and you just keep going down the list, right? And it's like, man, that's a tough league to get wins in. And so, again, somebody's got to finish 1-14 through 14 and, and be great coaches that are playing on the Wednesday night game in the SEC this year. Um, but that's just how deep this league is right now. Let me ask you, what's it going to take for an SEC team – to break through and get to the Final Four. We've seen Kentucky go through their slumps and have not been to the Final Four since 2015. We've seen Tennessee almost make it, Alabama almost make it. What's it going to take a Southeastern Conference team to get to that next level and get to the Final Four? Yeah, I think what we're seeing with the SEC is what we're seeing with certainly some other conferences too, and it's just the transfer portal has changed the overall strength of other conferences, right? And so it's like that's where you're seeing more of these teams outside of the traditional powers make those runs, right? Florida Atlantic under Dusty May, you know, San Diego state makes the run they made last year. Um, you know, you just keep going down the list. You're just seeing a lot more parity, I think, in terms of some of those programs that are able to build via the transport portal and still 
they'll be in a situation where they can outduel some of these SEC power conference teams when they get to this because style of play is always important, as we know. And so, yeah, I mean, you ask that question, and boy, there are some fan bases that are still just salivating over the idea of getting to the Final Four. Tennessee, we know. We have the discussion every year about Rick Barnes, but hey, they are still a team that's probably going to have a chance to be in that discussion every single year. Um, Arkansas, they've gotten to the Elite Eight back-to-back years and they get to the Sweet 16. They're going to break through and get back to the Final Four at some point, as long as Eric Musselman is there. I just think it's going to happen. Um, you know, Kentucky's always got a shot. I know Kentucky struggled in recent years, but they've always got a shot because they're always going to be one of the more talented teams out there. I think this year's team, you know, I think could be one of their better teams. Now we say that a lot, but so again, you're going to see some of these programs break through, right? It's in Alabama last year. If you don't just run into a red hot San Diego state team and have a bad game at the wrong time, Alabama's got a great shot to get there. Um, But the NCAA tournament is all about, you know, again, it's the matchups. It's what you're getting the wrong team at the wrong time. And you only get four teams in the final four every year. So it's just like the the numbers suggest that it's going to be hard to get an SEC team there every year. Whereas in college football, you can get an SEC team there every year, except this year, maybe we're not going to another discussion, but this year could be tougher um, based on the way the league's going and how other leagues are playing. But yeah, so it's with this many good coaches, Mitch, you're going to, you're going to see some of these programs take that next step in the final four, but it really just comes down to, you know, the matchups and having a team that's built for that kind of run in March. So. You and I talked about this in Nashville at the SEC tournament a little bit, but Tennessee and Rick Barnes and Kentucky and John Calipari, there is some growing just nervousness from the fan base, I guess the best way to put it, uneasiness basically. Is it warranted in which coach would you say is on the hotter seat compared to Tennessee or Kentucky? Yeah, that's a great question because I think that fair or unfair, we know how this works. You're always going to be judged by what you do in the postseason. Kentucky, Mitch was what? What was it? 38-0, whatever it was. And then they lose to Wisconsin. What was that? How many years ago now? Seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, are, are, we, are we talking about how great that team was anymore? Nope. We're just talking about, hey, that's the team that lost before they had a chance to achieve perfection. Just the unfortunate nature of how things work. And – you know, so I think when you look at it from that standpoint, but since then, you've seen stretches of Kentucky basketball that you are not used to seeing, um, no matter who the coach is. And that's where I think Kentucky fans have every reason to be frustrated right now. And part of it, I think, is the nature of this era of college basketball. Like we said, I think it's much harder for a Kentucky, a Duke, a North Carolina, all those teams to be what they were every single year, be, be expected to be a top five team every single season just because there are a lot of other teams via the transfer portal nil think about how that's changing things there are a lot of other teams who can even the playing field now uh and whereas before those top programs had that lockdown right it was kentucky ucla carolina duke kansas which kansas still isn't really falling off any but still you just look at the overall picture there's a lot more teams in that conversation kentucky fans though should be frustrated especially if this team doesn't have a chance to get where I think they can get. To me, the reason will be lack of offensive evolution, because that's always kind of been the thing. People get frustrated with Cal and offense, me included. Sometimes it feels like they're just running an offense that was made for the game 10 to 15 years ago and not right now. 
We'll see how that evolves this year. I think he's going to open it up more, let him shoot more threes. That's what they need to do, probably. Um, but if they don't get all that stuff done, I think Cal is probably in a. Now I say this, Mitch. He's the guy that's got the lifetime contract, right? Like so, I can say just from my standpoint, he's in kind of a hotter spot. Um, but but in all honesty, I don't think him or Rick Barnes should be considered coaches that are going to be fired anytime soon because look at still the overall picture of what they've achieved. And more so recently, more so Rick Barnes, right? I mean, look at how good Tennessee's been under Rick Barnes. Yes, we know the NCAA tournament stuff. But like we said, that's what it comes down to and how you're judged. But I don't know. I mean, we just kind of look at what Tennessee's able to achieve year in and year out under Rick Barnes. Um, I think this team has a chance to be pretty special. Uh, And so that just continues the trend of where it's going. I if I had to pick between the two, I'd say maybe Cal's in the more interesting spot right now just because the historical aspect of Kentucky having a, what were they several years ago, won eight games or what was that, the the pandemic season or whatever. Um, you know, so it's, it's that kind of stuff where that's just, that is not, we're not used to that at all. And so you, you combine that with the NCAA tournament disappointments in recent years, a lot of them. Um, Tennessee's had their disappointments too, but I think when you're like Kentucky and you expect to win the national championship every single season, not saying either one of these two should make a coaching change. Um, but I think things are maybe a little more interesting for Cal now than they are Rick. So I, I want to ask you, cause you and I, again, we talked, all this is like piggybacking from conversations we've had at the SEC tournament, NCAA tournaments and a lot of things evolving. Yeah. But is Kentucky one of these brands now? I mean, the Blue Bloods, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, they don't seem to carry that, oh, my God, you're playing Kentucky. Oh, my God, you're playing Kansas, and, you know, you should be scared of them. Are you seeing more of that as well, or is that just more of a, on a local standpoint, you know, covering Mississippi State and Ole Miss? Are you seeing more of that less of a fear of Kentucky? I think what you're seeing is the understanding from other teams, other fan bases, that it isn't the way it used to be. Like, I think you're, you're really starting to understand that with transfers and, you know, again, with even recruiting, right? I mean, Kentucky, now this year's class, maybe the wrong year to have the conversation because this year's class is fantastic and they've got a lot of the top recruits this year. But it's not the way it used to be. Like you said, I mean, it's not where all the top recruits are just choosing those top five schools anymore, right? It's... There are some recruits who are saying, hey, this NIL money is much greater here, and it may not be Kentucky or Duke or Carolina or any of those, but I'm going to go take the money elsewhere. And it may be the team that's going to finish seventh in this conference, but I'm going to go take that money and be just fine with it. Um, I think you're seeing recruiting options are much wider than they were before, whereas before you felt like my path to the NBA, I had to go play for John Calipari. I had to go play for Coach K. You know, I had to go play for this person or that person. It's not the case anymore. Like, you can go play anywhere. And, by the way, that's what people want to do. They want to play. They don't want to sit the bench. And I think, too, that can be one of the aspects where you're talking about because you have so many other great players that are going elsewhere now. Um, you don't just have a 1 through 12 in Kentucky where you're like, man, the 11th guy on Kentucky's bench is the best player on the 6th best team in the league, right? It's just not the case anymore. That guy may still be pretty good, but that guy's probably playing somewhere else, and he's probably playing 30 minutes a game for this team that's winning games, and 
so yeah, like I think you you're seeing it because well, for starters, just the data supports it. Alabama's won the, the SEC in recent years. Auburn's won the SEC in recent years. Tennessee's won the SEC in recent years. A and M won 15 games last year in the SEC. Um, you know, keep going down the line of teams that have had all this success. Like we said, Arkansas has been the most successful in terms of NCAA tournament success in recent years. So I just don't think it's as intimidating anymore to say, oh, that's a blue blood. That's Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. That's still going to carry some weight if you're in the fan, if you're in the audience at a game and they're there. It's going to have a little extra something to it just because it is the name brand. It is those teams. But I don't think you have the just scared nature anymore of like, well, chalk it up to a loss. You know, it's on the schedule. That's going to be a loss. It's not that way anymore. Like, there's just, there's too many. We've seen too many examples of teams and coaches being able to use the transfer portal, NIL, all that now to their advantage to where, I'm just using this as an example, but you can be Dusty May and lead Florida Atlantic to the Final Four and have a ridiculous season and probably be a top 10 team coming into this season because you've put together a roster. You may not be Kentucky, but I got a better roster than Kentucky maybe, like just because of how I built it and what we need as a team, right? And so, and I say that, you know, maybe pure talent, NBA prospects, it's not the case, but it's all about winning games. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's just as intimidating anymore as it used to be against those top tier name brands. So. Like, I want to ask you about Texas and Oklahoma and, you know, obviously we're going to have to do part two because we're going to have to actually get down and break down some of these teams. But I want to ask you about Texas and Oklahoma. We saw Texas football go into Alabama, beat Alabama pretty handedly uh, back in early September. When those two join the Southeastern Conference, who do you see making the most immediate impact in basketball? And second part of that is, I talked to Herb Vincent at the SEC uh, office the other day on the podcast, and he didn't have an answer. But do you have an idea what the SEC tournament's going to look like now that we're adding two more teams and going to be a, a league of 16 instead of 14? Yeah, that will be interesting um, based on how they decide to, to structure that. And I mean, there, there are ways to do it, I guess, where you probably just add, I'm terrible at math, Mitch, you know this, but like there's there's probably a way to where you just structure the the Wednesday night games, right, to where you have – well, we have we have two games on Wednesday nights now in the SEC tournament where it's t- it's eleven through fourteen. My guess is that just expands to whatever that number is. You have four games on Wednesday night, yeah. um, and then I guess however that number filters out, I'd have to think through that one because again, I'm not not a math wizard here. Um, although you don't have to be a math wizard probably to figure that out. I just I, I'm not good I, at it. So I, I so uh, that, yeah, yeah thinking that but, that's moving. My, I think it's eleven. It'd be eleven through sixteen. I think. It, Unless or twelve through sixteen, so either way, four t- four games on Wednesday. So you would start in the morning. Well, yeah, that's true. You could still, yeah, you could still oh. do that. So that makes sense. Yeah, you could do it that way, and then just kind of add that extra. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably how they'll do it. Um, it's my guess, but I think look, Texas is in a better place right now in terms of program wise than Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think Rodney Terry was it was the hire that made sense. I mean, I I know there are people going to say maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's not the coach there long-term, but how can you deny what he was able to achieve last year, again, given the situation and everything? And I think it just would have been hard to not give the guy the job. Um, And so he did a great job with that team. And and I think from that standpoint, you feel like there's a lot of positive momentum now for Texas moving forward when in what could have been just a complete debacle, right? I mean, after the, the whole beard stuff, 
this thing just could have went so far south that maybe you don't recover for a couple of years or so. But it seems like they're just going to keep moving right along. And um, so, yeah, I think that Rodney Terry's earned that opportunity. And, and so, to me, Texas will be the most impactful right off the bat. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma's in an interesting spot to me right now because I think that's a team that's going to struggle this year. I mean, well, they went five last in the league last year, right? They won five games. Um, I think Porter Moser is a great coach. As you know, there's always talk out there if that was maybe ever the best fit from the start. And I think we're all starting to realize, I'm not saying for Oklahoma, I'm saying maybe for him too. Maybe it's just a combination that doesn't work. And if they have another disappointing season this year, which if you look at the teams that you're going to project ahead of them, you know, if you're looking at the Big 12 race, you're like Kansas, Houston, Texas, you know, Baylor, Cincinnati, probably going to be, you know, to be pretty good. Um, they're, they're down there. Like, they're down the list, probably, in terms of where you project them. And so, I think it will be interesting, you know, to see if there's any change there going into next year. Um, because I would fully suggest that Texas is going to be just fine uh, in the short term. And Oklahoma... Could there be a change? Um, could both parties decide, hey, we're going to seek our our better situation elsewhere? Perhaps that happens. Um, and if so, who's to know? You know, maybe they go out and make a, a huge flash with a guy that does maybe is the right fit there. Um, but yeah, I think Texas will make a, a pretty big impact because it's recruiting too, right? Think about it. I mean, it's you're Texas and you're you're already recruiting against all these SEC teams. Like that's not really going to change, but. Once you do get into the league, you start winning and losing games, then that does impact. Okay. I am definitely, you know, I know I'm recruiting against Arkansas. I know I'm recruiting against Kentucky. Well, that's where you start winning those kind of games that you're playing regularly. That's where you get your recruiting boost, or, you know, you go the other way. And so that will be a big impact for a school like Texas. And, and we'll see what happens. So, Blake, last question I have for you. And just for the audience, again, we're probably going to do a part two so we can talk about. Dennis Gates and talk about every single team in the SEC yeah. and break it down a little bit more. But I ask you about the SEC as ACC challenge this year. It's going to be different. It's normally we're playing the Big Twelve. How excited are you for that matchups? And what matchups are you most looking forward to in the ACC SEC challenge? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's one where like I told someone the other day we were looking at these matchups and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that we were switching this year. Um, because, you know, you just get in the grind of looking at all this stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, it's not the SEC, the Big 12 anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I like it. I, I like the rotation, which I know what that lasted a while with the Big 12. But and it's, <laughs> I say this now, I'm like, well, maybe this won't work moving forward because I don't know how many big conferences we're going to have here in the next couple of years uh, as everybody may be in the SEC by that point anyways. <laughs> big 10 will have everybody. Um, I don't know how many challenges you can do. Uh, when it's the same conferences probably that are doing it. But, you know, if the ACC crumbles at some point, um, you're probably going to see some of those schools in the SEC. So we'll have more of these regular ones. But I, I like it because, you know, let's call it what it is. The ACC is not exactly um, – this isn't the golden era of the ACC right now. Uh, there's a lot of good teams that have come through there. But as we talked about before, you know, it's not maybe what it used to be in terms of just overall depth from top to bottom. And of course, adding more schools has played into that, but it's just, it's not the same, but yet there is that prestige still with, with ACC basketball and, you know, getting those kind of matchups you're going to get. I mean, I know everyone will have their favorites based on who they support, but to me, 
There is no more intriguing game than Duke going to Arkansas. Um, I just think that is, you know, that's that's your mid nineties basketball lovers out there, um, just letting you relive the glory days of when those two teams were at their their height. Which again, this year could be the case too. Um, they they could both be top five teams based on kind of what their rosters look like coming into the season. So I, I think that's the headliner. Um, just to me, I feel like it has the most intrigue. Tennessee and North Carolina should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, North Carolina, I feel like, is a program sort of in a spot where do they take that next step under Hubert Davis? Or do those discussions keep getting more interesting? Remember, it's not that long ago. North Carolina's in the national championship game. Um, but it's like, it's how fast things move in college basketball. It's like, hey, the expectation is to get there every year. But those, to me, Mitch, are the two games that I think everyone, you know, must-see games to me. Um, a Buzz Williams and a Tony Bennett coaching matchup to me is like just the ultimate. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how pretty that game will be, but it is to me like the ultimate coaching like grind here. I mean, would it shock anyone if that game is just the lowest scoring, you know, game of the bunch? Not at all. And that's not just a Virginia thing. That's just how Buzz games plans for for the opponent. And both those teams are gonna have a hard time scoring probably. So uh, just based on how good they are coaching wise in those games, and then of course. I think, too, Miami and, and Kentucky's fun because, I mean, Jim Laranaga, how many times do we have to just keep overlooking this guy and what he does? I mean, it is just time and time again, he has just been fantastic at what he's done there at Miami and getting them to the heights that they've reached under his, you know, under his leadership. And so it's it's a fun slate, uh, but to me, those are the three that uh, I think that are, or four, that I think will definitely get the most attention. So He is Blake Lovell. Blake, tell them where they can find all of your old all of y'all's amazing work. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. Look forward to part two on the Mitch Davis show, having you back on. Yeah, always enjoy it, Mitch. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, Southeastern 14 on YouTube. That's where to find us. If you just want to go to the YouTube platform there and search for Southeastern 14, you'll find all of our SEC basketball, football, baseball stuff. And yeah, we're starting to crank out our, our SEC basketball team previews. We've got several up already. We'll start to really get those going um, next week and uh, do more teams and start to look at all this stuff. And we're doing kind of a daily SEC basketball live show slash just sort of video um, premiere, that kind of stuff. We're going to start doing that next week. So we should have daily SEC basketball content coming up on the channel. So you have been listening to the Mitch Davis show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis show.com podcast host of the Mitch Davis show. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore rate, Facebook and Instagram at the Mitch Davis show. Check out the podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to absorb your podcast by simply typing in the Mitch Davis show. And a very special thank you as always to my good friend and my buddy Blake Lovell from 14 Southeastern for joining me to talk all things Southeastern Conference basketball. Going to have water wall coverage coming up from the SEC Basketball Media Days on Wednesday, October 18th. A lot to talk about, a lot to get to in the SEC basketball season. Again, I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast today. It's always an honor to bring you Southeastern Conference basketball, football, baseball news all year round. Again, thanks for listening.